Hello and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss data privacy engineering and related topics. I'm your host, Sean Falconer, and today I'm joined by Jake Ward, CEO and co-founder of Data Protocol, and we'll be discussing the Data Protocol platform and some of the courses they have available for privacy engineering, privacy-centered security, privacy by design, and overall responsible data management. Jake, welcome to the show. Sean, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I'm really excited to have you on. I've been taking your privacy engineering certificate and I really love the data protocol platform and the gap you're filling when it comes to you know, general data privacy engineering education. But to kick things off, could you please start by introducing yourself and share some of your backstory for how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I'm, the, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Data Protocol, but before that, I've, I've lived a bit of a uh, strange career on public affairs and running trade associations for software developers. Um, so my background was more on the policy and community building side. And in the wake of Cambridge Analytica, uh, it became pretty clear to me and to my co-founding team that there was a real opportunity and need to support the people that are actually building applications and software that touches data uh, to help them find answers in the general flow of their day around compliance, best practices, use cases, and all of the tips and tools that enable developers to build quickly and to build safely. And that's how we, that's how we came up with the idea for Data Protocol. Uh, the hope was to apply as much empathy as possible in the creation of, of the platform, which we're thrilled that you enjoy, and to continue to build resources and courses and tools inside that platform with partners like Skyflow that can meet the demand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, honestly, like e-learning and instructor-led training platforms have been around for a long time. You know, actually some of the first tech companies I ever worked for as an engineer were e-learning platforms. So why, I guess, like are, are developers different when it comes to, you know, training? Like why couldn't some of these existing tools and platforms work for developers and in particular some of the, the types of courses that you offer? Well, I think all learning platforms are intended to be used in a particular way for a particular audience, but not everybody learns the same way. And as you know, as well as anybody, developers learn largely by trial and error and with their hands on the keyboard, right? When you have a question, you immediately turn to the person next to you and say, have you ever seen one of these before? And then you Google it, you go to stack, and then you bang on it until you get it right. We wanted to add that attitude, that empathy, the idea that with your hands on the keyboard, engaging with a platform is the best way to learn, then it's probably the best way to learn soft skills as well as hard skills. And with that empathy, we set out to create a developer experience on platform that's sort of a mix of masterclass and code academy, right? It's a, it's video led, animation heavy, but with a command line terminal that, that engages the learner on their terms. I, I'm not, um, I'm not trying to be critical of the legacy LMS or the online platforms, but sometimes it feels like they're more about the teacher than they are about the student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you, I guess, can you maybe walk through some of the, the history with like actually building this, this platform and, and some of the, the principles of design that you came up that would appeal to developers? Like how did you kind of, uh, you know, bring this together based around this motivation of both creating like a tool for the people who actually have their hands on data, but also in the spirit of creating a tool that's actually 
fits with like the way that developers typically work. Absolutely, I'd be happy to. So four or five years ago, um, I spent uh, a particular amount of time, six, seven months over the course of a couple of years meeting with large groups of software developers and application developers doing design thinking workshops where I would lead them through an exercise to build a platform in which they wanted to learn and to build privacy policies or even terms and services that they would be able to follow without having to talk to their lawyer and libraries of dev docs. And we set out to build data protocol to yes, be an incredibly valuable tool for teaching privacy and data management, but also to be a, um, a resource for any developer trying to adopt and implement a data product and a tool for platforms to better manage their third-party partners. The idea being that we're all in this together and if we agree that it's better to use products correctly and responsibly and without breakage, then let's, let's pursue that as an end goal. With that in mind, we set out to create a developer experience that uh, did a couple of things. The first is it looked like home, right? For a software engineer, less so these days, but still everybody learns to code in a command line terminal and understands that when you flip on data protocol, this was built for you. The second piece is to create an environment in which you're engaged at every step. This is not you know, Fortune 500 sexual harassment training where you press play and then answer a couple questions. We want to create an environment where you have to be answering questions every step along the way so that your hands never leave the keyboard and that it feels like you're uh, doing an ask and answer with an instructor. And the last piece, this is this was probably the most important, is it wasn't, we didn't want to make it feel required like it was compulsory. We wanted to make it a lasting value add to your career. So every resource, every link, everything that we flag as part of our training is tied to the profile of the user so you can go back and get it later. The idea being that just as a dev doc sits on a website at Meta or Google and is available to any partner when they're considering the use of Firebase or Instagram, these protocols that we build, these courses, which can be as long as 10 or 12 minutes and as short as four minutes, are a resource that continues to be valuable long after you've completed it. Mm -hmm. So the platform, and, uh, you know, I mentioned the privacy engineering uh, course in particular, but there's a number of courses and certificates that relate to data privacy. So why do you think that it's important to actually train developers in, in things like privacy engineering? I think that when it comes to data management and privacy as a performance metric, we've done a really terrible job getting developers ready for a huge chunk of their day-to-day -day responsibility. And instead we've outsourced it to lawyers. And it's our, it's my community, it's your community that is building these applications. And we would all do well to align accountability with responsibility. With the craftsmen that are building these products, they should know where the third rail is they can't step on. Uh, for too long, and believe me, I heard this many times while I was trying to start data protocol, people believe that developers don't care about privacy. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, that'll never work. People that build this stuff don't care about privacy. Of course they do, everybody does. More importantly, they wanna do a good job. They wanna build good products. They wanna make their users feel safe 
and they want their their products to work the way that they're supposed to. This isn't privacy as compliance. This is privacy as performance, right? This is a market advantage. So when we looked at the landscape of our our first year in market, one of the things that we wanted to do was was put a flag down around privacy engineering. Nishant Bajaria, who's a who's an advisor to Data Protocol, is also the head of privacy engineering at Uber. Is he just wrote the book on privacy engineering? He's a he's a brilliant tactician when it comes to this. He's also a really good teacher, and so we partnered with him to build an eight course, five lab, comprehensive but very accessible privacy engineering certification. At the conclusion of which, you can take an assessment and be certified. Our our ask of Nishant was to build a curriculum that was rigorous enough that when somebody completed it and was badged that he would consider hiring them at Uber. And we think we've been pretty successful. That's awesome. Yeah, and there's, there's several things that you said in that response that I'd love to, to dig into a little bit. You know, I think one of the things that you talked about was this idea of outsourcing, you know, privacy to, to essentially lawyers. And I think in a lot of organizations that have even tried to uh, prioritize privacy, a lot of times, you know, as part of a launch process, like privacy is like a, a you know, check mark of that launch, but I think inevitably what you end up doing is is not necessarily part of the actual uh, like full life cycle, like full development and product life cycle. It's you know outsourced checkmark, and it's great to have that. You know that's better than nothing. But to do privacy well, and I think the same is true for user experience or developer experience. It really has to be baked into the culture of how a company operates and how they actually develop products at their core. I think that's I think that's exactly right. I too often. When it comes to the application of privacy controls and even design principles around privacy, companies treat them as if it's security, but because it is related to regulation and law, they give it to lawyers, not engineers, right? They try to harden the target and they want to do enough, but it's not a market advantage and they don't consider it core to the product. For those companies that have started a product lifecycle and thought about the implications of a data map and what the business model is going to look like, particularly as it evolves. And what do we do with this data and when can we minimize it and when do we have to delete it? Those aren't hard questions to answer, but apparently they're really hard questions to ask. And they're particularly hard if you don't have developers in the room. Privacy engineers, uh, because of the, the implications of the title, but also the implications of the training, are increasingly invited to sit in those meetings, right? They're there with product managers and lawyers and the VP of marketing. When they're thinking about how to put together a plan, they say, okay, but we still need to build this. Let's think about where the data goes and how to mitigate risk and create market advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also wanted to touch on your point about how there's this sort of, I think, false belief that engineers, developers don't care about privacy. And, you know, even thinking back to, you know, 10, 15 years ago when, um, you know, Facebook was first coming on the scene, I think there was like the sentiment of like, you know, privacy's dead, you know, everyone's sharing things online. And I think a lot of the people that I knew that cared the most about, uh, still cared the most about privacy were basically, you know, myself and the rest of the, you know, engineering nerds that I went to graduate school with, uh, you know, privacy was front in mind back then. Even uh, even more so to to a lot of that group, and I think we've gone through this period where, um, f for a while, you know, maybe the consensus from 
the public was this idea that privacy is dead, but now I think it, it's you know coming around the other way. And what do you think has has changed in the landscape to make it so that uh, you know companies and I guess consumers are are really prioritizing or, or thinking about privacy as a top of mind concern for them? I think from a consumer perspective, once the veil of anonymity was lifted through sort of breaches and news coverage where people realized just how much data was out there that wasn't, it didn't feel good to give away, right? That didn't feel even value additive to give away. There be, there was a backlash and we see that increasingly. I think that there's uh, a number of instances over the last five years where companies that um, have become more and more part of our day-to-day lives because we carry them around in our pockets and we're on them seven hours a day, it, it almost hurts our feelings when there's a data breach or there's a, there's a privacy violation. It's not, it's not the price of doing business anymore. It feels like a personal affront. And so the stakes have been raised and the response, as in all markets, has been to try to meet that moment by investing in uh, more private approaches like Apple has, or in more privacy tech. We, we met uh, a couple months ago at the Rise of Privacy Tech Summit. That's an, that's an organization that couldn't have existed six years ago, that didn't have any relevance four years ago, and is completely important now. We can't imagine that there isn't going to be a Rise of Privacy Tech because we need technology to protect privacy. Now, at Data Protocol, to be honest, we think that's a little antithetical to the reality that we live in, where privacy is not a technology problem, it's a behavioral problem. And you fix behavioral problems with education and training and expectation setting. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned before that uh, Nishant Bajaria, Uber's head of uh, privacy engineering, is the course instructor for your privacy engineering certificate. So I wanted to... You know, start to dig into some of the courses that you offer, and and, and to start with, how do, how were you able to take Nishant's like real world experience, and like actually turn that into a course that would be consumable for people in, in a reasonable amount of time? A lot of very hard work <laughs> is the is the short answer. I mean, we had we had the advantage uh, of him, his book was recently released, son's book that gave us a bit of an outline and then hours and hours and hours of interviews with Nishant and with other privacy engineers and CPOs and engineers to really dig down on what we thought was operationally important that went beyond the concepts we were trying to hit and went to the day-to-day implications. I'll tell you though, after it took us a year to produce this first run, if you asked me, I could tell you we, we would do better the second time and go faster and it would be cheaper and uh, we would have a slightly better product, though we are incredibly proud of what's out there. But we forgot or missed three points that are incredibly important that we have now gone back and, and will release in the next six to eight weeks that you can only discover through this process, right? You have to put it out there and let people tell you what's missing and what they're encountering on a day-to-day basis or what they need help with. And that, that feels really good, too, to enter into a dialogue with people whose job it is to be at the cutting edge of this new discipline and who are in those meetings, and in the product, and need our help. 
Yeah, there's always, uh, you know, I think it was Reed Hoffman that said, no product survives this first encounter with real users or, you know, the other popular uh, version of that or maybe even better well-known is Mike Tyson's uh, uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And there's kind of no better way to get punched in the face by uh, putting something out there as a product and letting people experience it and then give feedback. But the best you can do is kind of take that feedback and make a, and, and use it to improve your product. Absolutely. And we, we are incredibly grateful to several hundred of our first wave users who two or three courses in would email us and say, uh, am, is this the, is this where I'm going to be able to get this particular resource? And the learning team and the product team would turn to each other and say, we should build that resource. That's, that's a really good idea. And, and so that's where, that's where we are with this. Mm -hmm. You know, beyond the privacy engineering certificate course, you offer a number of other courses, some, you know, a lot of them related to uh, different areas of privacy, but can you talk a little bit about some of the courses and certificates you offer? Sure. The goal of Data Protocol is, as I said, to help developers, to be a resource for developers, both as a learning platform, but also as a resource that you can take with you. So our goal when we set out is to um, make product adoption easier and more efficient than sort of reading hundreds of pages of dev docs or thinking through the implications of breakage. The second piece is to help platforms, big and small, better manage their developer relations, their, their partner programs at scale, because we can move pretty quickly to update content, to resurface new guides, to update a video. And as tens of thousands of uh, meta developers, for example, are on platform, when they push an update, we can also push that update and reach a larger audience. The third piece, which is what we're talking about today, is around privacy. And the idea is that, look, we built this platform that is more engaging, more propulsive, feels more like the way developers want to work and learn. It works so well, we can teach the thing that is the hardest to teach, data management and privacy. So with that in mind, we set out, we have courses on platform management, on privacy by design, GDPR compliance, building apps for kids. We have specific labs around Intel products, uh, courses around login implementation, review and re-review that we worked with Meta to partner on. And then we spin up specific instances of topical labs that can demo a product like HyperProtect at IBM or even Data Vaults. Sorry for the interruption, folks, but I just had a few quick reminders. If you're enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button so you can always get the latest episode and help others discover the show by leaving a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. It really helps. Last thing before I get you back to the interview, if you are interested in the topics discussed in this podcast, then you should definitely, definitely join the Partially Redacted community at skyflow.com community. There you can meet other interesting and like-minded individuals like yourself, share your expertise, or just passively engage, totally up to you. All right, now back to the show. And I think, you know, that speaks to something that is kind of uh, something I would love to see really change, not only in, in, in the industry that we're in, but also with, you know, traditional education mediums, like, you know, taking computer science, I feel like you know, these types of topics should be covered in those programs. I remember I gave a, a guest lecture at a university several months ago. And after I finished, you know, one of the first questions I got was from one of the students and they're like, you know, why, why is this the first time I'm hearing about any of this stuff? And, uh, and I think there's a real desire to learn these things, but 
the the curriculums are just way behind for the most part in terms of being able to teach some of these principles. The curriculum follows the trends, right? The market responds to demand and the teachers and professors have to have had some real world experience with this. And everything's just moving so quickly that there hasn't been time for the for the academic institutions to catch up with course distribution or even the resources they build to support those courses. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, without platforms like this, like data protocol in the service that you're providing, how do people who are, you know, working in privacy engineering typically get training on these topics or even, you know, outside of privacy engineering, but, uh, you know, people in, in companies that need to understand the ins and outs of, of um, you know, a data privacy? Some So there are some institutions, some academic institutions that are building out privacy engineering. Carnegie Mellon, for example, has a great program that sort of professional privacy engineer training. Um, some of that, if I'm being you know, full disclosure, it takes a long time. It costs a lot of money and a lot of it's pretty conceptual. It's, it's less operational. It's not a it's not even intended to be sort of a take this and get back to work training or certificate. So it's just, you need to be mindful of that as you go in, but it is a great program and Carnegie Mellon is obviously a great, great college. Um, For the most part, privacy engineers are an amalgamation of skills that come together inside of a company. They are lawyers who learn how to speak engineer or they're engineers that learn how to speak lawyer. And they come together around design principles that they think of as foundational to privacy engineering, and they then title themselves as as privacy engineers, but without any sort of real world or accredited, recognizable cert- certificate. It's not surprising, or it shouldn't be surprising, that if you go on LinkedIn and search for privacy engineers, of the first thousand results, 850 of them are at Google, Twitter, Facebook, and the largest companies that have invested in this idea of building privacy engineers for product teams and having them bridge the gap between lawyers and builders of software. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then what are some of the ways that you're seeing, I guess like people in business that are you know, early adopters of these courses, how are they actually using these courses? What, what are they interested in accomplishing with it? So the, the engineer community that uses them really wants the guides. They want the training, certainly. They want to know the thing, but they also want to take the guide with them. The best practice guides, the tips, the links, the resources, the stuff that you will need when you try to solve this problem again in three weeks. Their their employer or even their partner is very interested in supporting integration of products or adoption of products. One of the things that we have found is the best way to get somebody to use something is to make sure they know how to use it. And Twilio did this for 10 years, right? Every, every hackathon that Twilio ran, every partnership that they built, every developer relations effort that they put forth was intent on teaching people how to use their short codes. And that they knew once you saw how easy it was and how effective it could be, how much better it was than whatever it was you had before, going before, you weren't gonna wanna use anything else. And um, it worked for them and it's working for us because in six minutes we can teach you how to use and how to implement or how to navigate the review process on login instead of reading 317 pages of developer documentation, 
which could take a while. And by the way, you're probably not going to read all 317. So you're running a risk of breakage or missing a deadline around review or not understanding what's required of you. And so the, mm -hmm. our hope is to be Git for product adoption and data management, a place that people can go on a regular basis to get answers to their questions, to get knowledge around a topic and to learn a new skill certified and otherwise. And with that in hand, like we're, we will next year launch capability to teach basic coding. As you know, the terminal, the command line terminal in platform is a live terminal. So we can do computation, we can run tests, we can do anything we want to in that space, including teaching Java and React or teaching specific instances of a code base on a particular product for a partner like Rakuten or VMware. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think we're starting to see like in the, in the developer world, this br like bridging of the gap between documentation and training and the actual tools that you need to execute that training. Like traditionally, there's been, you, you essentially have those things existing in silo. Someone has a training document or documentation, you read that in one place and then you go to a completely different tool that's you know running on your computer to actually do the things that you need to accomplish that were uh, part of that instruction. Uh, and it's just, you know, adds a lot of friction to that process. And there's, it adds more potential risk for breakage. There's so many ways that that can go wrong and so many opportunities for uh, misinterpretation or even things not to be synced up that if you could avoid it, why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, obviously privacy and security are, are considered pretty complex spaces. It can be hard for people to kind of wrap their heads around both the technology and the legal landscape. So how do you, uh, you know, how do these courses kind of get designed and come together and how do you maintain sort of a high quality standard across them? Yeah. So it's, um, I'll take the second question first. The standard is set by our learning and platform team. We don't, we don't take other people's content and put it on platform. And we don't, um, in, a, in a true sense, take our content and put it on somebody else's platform. There are instances in which we can, for example, iframe in a, a video set to support a partner. But for the most part, if you wanna run your, if you want your partners to engage content that we build in partnership, they're going to do it on data protocol because that's the place that we can make sure the quality is, is highest. The architecture of the courses is set out with the learner in mind. Our, our learning team here is frankly exceptional and they remind us every day that the reason we do what we do is to make people feel smarter and to make them actually smarter. Uh, both to instill confidence, but also the skill and proficiency around a thing. And so it, it isn't enough to have fancy pictures and, and uh, you know, underlying music cues. You actually have to deliver information as well. So what we would do working with a partner is set out a learning objective. What is it you want your users to know or your employees to know or your partners to know? And then from there, we build uh, curriculum goals, just like you would with any sort of instructional design mandate, except with the additional capacity of the platform and the command line terminal. Do you want to do any code specific stuff for a more technical course, or do you want it to be uh, more around a soft skill? So there's more speaker to learner interaction with that in mind, 
we build outlines, we work with the partner, or in, in the case of, I think, 10 or 12 of the courses that are up on platform, there was no partner, it was just us, right? We built, we worked with subject matter experts to build uh, the qualifications around what would be a success. And then we wrote scripts, tested the outlines around it and shot them. It takes anywhere from eight to 12 weeks for us to fully cook a course, record it, put it through post-production and get it up on platform, but it's well worth the time. Yeah, that sounds like still like an amazingly quick turnaround. For, for what we believe is sort of a TV quality content, it really is. Uh, yeah. we, are, we are getting better at learning faster, and which I think is pretty typical of, of any startup, is that you find ways to more um, quickly regiment and, and create structure around how you learn. And, and as the team grows, we've been able to diversify. So the, the team that wrote privacy engineering is not necessarily the same exact people who dig into login or Firebase or the mobile app side of things, but they, they are great at being red teams for each other to make sure that we're upholding our standard of quality while not requiring that everybody knows everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And have you faced a like an educational challenge in generating interest for people to take, you know, privacy related courses, or is this something that you, that, you know, engineers and companies are actually actively seeking out? Um, a little bit of both, I think is the answer to that question. It is, it is always going to be a challenge to introduce a new non required, but highly recommended thing that takes time. We mitigate that, by the platform being highly engaging, incredibly relevant and fun to play with, that helps. There's no question about it, but it helps even more when somebody's employer or their partner or product uh, partner says, I'd really like you to take this. It's going to reduce your breakage. We know, for example, from our early, and we've only been in market six weeks, use of the login protocol course that is now up on platform, that it reduces breakage. it speeds up the review time and it reduces the rejection level for related to re-reviews. That's a home run, right? That's a, that's a win for everybody. It's a win for the DevOps team at Meta. It's a win for the partners. It's a win for the users, their partners, so that they don't have to come to a broken login link on their app. And for us, it's incredibly valuable because the sentiment scores for uh, related to those courses are all in the high 90s of, is this a better way to learn are you interested in taking more courses related to this? If Meta offered more courses related to this, would you take them? And I bring that up only to say, developers care about privacy. They do. They really want to know how to use products responsibly. They really want to know how to integrate products so that they can mitigate risk, not just of non-compliance with a regulation that they don't particularly understand, but with breakage or disappointing or disappointing their partners or violating their terms of services. Nobody sets out to, to have that happen in a, in a relationship and developers are entered into a relationship with every partner they have, no matter which way the data is flowing. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, developers in general, they, they care about the quality of the product that they're putting out. So, you know, that really goes to your point about breakage. Like no one wants to put something out there that potentially puts, uh, their users' data at risk, or you know, leads to uh, 
a compromise of the system or, you know, no one wants to be part of that kind of story. No. And, and I've, I've often said that developers are uh, the manufacturing class of the digital age, right? The pride that developers take in being able to build apps, programs, tools is it's the same thing that you would encounter of somebody building a house or, you know, manufacturing a table, right? These are, these are things that, that we need. They are tangible in this world that we live in now. We should never dismiss the passion that a builder has for their product. Absolutely. So, you know, looking ahead to perhaps the next like five or 10 years, what do you think is the future for, you know, privacy, uh, you know, either from an engineering perspective or, or potentially even from consumers and businesses? Well, I, I think that the next 10 years will remove all doubt, next five years probably, will remove all doubt that privacy is fundamental to the, the building of data-driven products and that anybody, any developer, even a low-code, no-code developer has to have the skill to understand data management. Let's not even use the word privacy. Let's just say data management because yes, it is required from a compliance standpoint, from a regulatory and legal standpoint, it's increasingly the law and more likely to be the law of the land regardless of where you are. But it's also a minimum requirement for your customers and for your platform partners and probably for your employer. I had, uh, had a conversation not so long ago with uh, head of a, a team at a major company who said, when I look to hire software developers, I, I look first for their attitude. I look second for their ability to communicate, third for their ability to code, and fourth for their understanding of data. Now, this was a highly regulated industry, a company working in a highly regulated industry, where it's really important that they understand how data flows in and out of their products and how they, how they create data and what that responsibility looks like. But there's no reason that that shouldn't be the new normal. These are not unknowable things. These are not unlearnable skills. They ought to be fundamental. And more to the point, once they are fundamental, we can go really fast again. We can go fast and not break things. We can go really fast and only consider the second and third and fourth order ramifications because the first order ramifications are taken care of. Yeah. And actually the, uh, you know, to your point about move fast and don't break things, actually the name of the, the webinar that I run uh, a couple times a month is move fast and don't break privacy. So it's very in line with, you know, your vision for the next, uh, you know, five years. What um, are there future technologies or, or developments that you're really excited about? We are on platform in the next four months. We're going to be enabling deep linking, which will mean that. So right now, if you go to if you go to any course on platform, you can speed up video section, and in some instances, you can even skip a lesson. But for the most part, we'd really like you to sit through four or five minutes of content so that you get the context in which we are teaching a thing. But we are very mindful that most points of engagement at Stack and Git and other places right now actually re resolve are actually resolved with an answer rather than knowledge. Right? People have a specific question; they want a specific answer, and so we are building a function 
in platform that in addition to all of the library and resource and knowledge creation that we do in course, you'll be able to ask a question and go right to the answer inside a course. For example, how do I make a data map? We have four and a half minutes inside a GDPR compliance course, and we have two and a half minutes as what we call a short code, but you can, you should be able to get to that specific answer and the associated resources in one click. And so that will, that will come out uh, early Q1. And I think we'll really drive the next aspect of data protocol, which is community-based, where we can open source some of the answers to this while driving it with our approach to content creation and resource building. Yeah, it's great. It's, I think it's, you know, really bridging the gap between, uh, you know, traditional documentation and this kind of more interactive uh, learning environment where you have actual, you know, video and an instructor teaching people the things that they they need to understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we cherish every engagement we have in terms of, you know, our conversations, conversations we have with partners, with potential users, as a point of reference, as we continue to build the community, we're doubling in size in terms of our monthly users every month right now, which is both incredibly validating, but also a little daunting because <laughs> yeah, sure. we have 26 courses on platform right now. That's not enough to keep this number of people engaged day to day. So we're launching 11 new courses in October and we've got our eye on 10 more for January. Our goal is to be on be north of 20,000 users in January and somewhere in the ballpark of 50 courses where we're then able to release five a month moving forward and keep that cadence going while updating and spinning off new resources to, to really drive engagement. Amazing. And is there anything else you think, uh, you know, you want to share or uh, you'd like to add uh, to for our listeners to know? Only that um, if you're listening to this podcast, you clearly care about privacy. You care about product use and the value of privacy technology. Data protocol is another tool to put in that box. We like to think that um, if you hand data to developers and they don't know how to use it, it's a lot like giving people hammers and calling them carpenters. We make it easier for you to train your workforce, your partners, and to set expectations with your customers that you will, in fact, have carpenters show up at your worksite. That's great. Awesome stuff, Jake. Thanks so much for coming on the show and for sharing your passion about uh, privacy training and uh, the backstory on data protocol. And I, I'm really looking forward to completing the privacy engineering certificate course. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Sean. And congratulations on the launch of the podcast. Thanks.